Welcome everybody to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. I have a wonderful class for you tonight where we are going to be diving into uh, everything Egypt. Basically, we're, we are highlighting the upcoming uh, Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour by diving into our tour from last year, getting into a lot of those highlights, some of that esoteric knowledge. Uh, it's going to be a uh, really fascinating class. There are going to be clips here, a lot of video clips I'm going to be showing because I'm still trying to preserve my voice. Still have a little bit of that cough going on from getting over COVID, which was uh, just a, a nightmare of like a week and a half there. Uh, so uh, this will help retain the voice a little bit as we go along a uh, bunch of video clips things that have not yet been shown even on the uh on the portal side i'm going to be adding some of these in there so we'll get into more of that uh as we go along uh do want to let those that are watching the simulcast because again i do not usually uh do the connecting universe class publicly but we're doing that uh publicly both on facebook and on youtube as well as within the connecting uh the universe uh class uh portal site uh for those watching the simulcast and listening to the podcast uh version of it later the audio version please join us here every wednesday night eight o'clock p.m uh for the full connecting the universe experience on connected universe portal.com there's a 30-day free trial for that it includes the weekly connecting the universe interactive class of course sneak peek and behind the scenes videos monthly q a videos exclusive articles insider travel blogs like uh the <laughs> ireland one that i just posted yesterday the egypt one that we're going to be getting into tonight and also there's an american southwest one from last year as well all this and more connected universe all kinds of stuff out there and of course exclusive articles and, and things like that on the back side. All right, so let's start with our our class question for tonight, which was, of all the mysteries of ancient Egypt, which would you want answered the most? So we did have a, a handful of responses uh, to this. So Jennifer LeBay asks, how were all of these amazing structures built with such precision? Why don't we know what they know? Yeah, one of the great mysteries of Egypt and some of these other ancient locations around the world where you have these uh, perfectly cut stone blocks, some of them thousands of tons. And, you know, not only were they cut very, very precisely, but how in the world did they move them? Uh, we, we still don't know how they did that to this day. We kind of guess. And in many cases, we don't even have the technology today to make that happen. Uh, Tammy Harkoff asks, what was the purpose of the shafts in the Great Pyramid? Yeah, a lot of speculation as to what those shafts were used for. You know, were they used to align to the stars? Were they used for ventilation? If you think that the uh, Great Pyramid was a machine, was it used for exhaust? Um, yeah, we, we really don't know. Again, we kind of guess at that. And some of the shafts, sure, they go all the way out to the exterior of the pyramid. Others stop along the way. Why is that? We really don't know. And then Vicky Brees, new member to uh, the Connected Universe Portal, asks, is there any truth to tombs being cursed? Aha. Uh -huh. So, of course, uh, people are very familiar with the curse of Tutankhamun, where uh, Howard Carter and his crew that excavated that um, did become cursed. They Many of them died very uh, premature deaths in some very, very suspicious ways. Now, going into those tombs today, that doesn't happen. Thousands and thousands of people go in there all the time. But the opening 
of those tombs, uh, something happened. So some people speculate that, you know, they're, uh, you know, the quality of air that came out, that gases that came out, or even, you know, old maybe diseases or things that things like that that were uh, still lingering about in those tombs. They ingested that or they breathed it in and it did them in. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. <laughs> uh, so those are the things we're going to be getting into uh some of the things we're going to be getting into tonight. I know uh, Mohammed has a, a bit of uh, commentary on a few of those things as we go along here. I see the comments are rolling in. Um, on the YouTube side, there's Tom McNicholas with a $10 super chat. Appreciate that, Tom. And yes, I am feeling better. So I really do uh, appreciate that. Again, have a little bit of the lingering cough. So when we get into the video clips, that's going to help save my voice. I got some tea at the ready here, some uh, honey and lemon tea, green tea, which uh, should work out pretty well. So, But thank you for the $10 super chat, Tom. Really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, definitely seen some uh, old faces down in here. Uh, Joe Chandler, Stacy Kamiski, great to see you. Uh, connected uh, Universe Portal member Sarah Youssef is in the house. Great to see you as well. There is Alina. Um, yeah, uh, Alina, if uh, you have your question, go ahead and throw it there in the chat uh, because I've already started. I'm not looking back at the old posts. So, all right. Don Francisco, great to see you as well. Okay. So, the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. This is taking place uh, next year, next February. And for whatever reason, I did not. Let me go ahead and, and uh, upload that here real quick. Of all the things I did not do, is I did not actually, I had so much stuff I was uploading today for this. I didn't actually even bring up the banner. What am I thinking? So let me put that up here real quick. Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour, February 7th to the 19th uh, next year. Myself and Mohammed Ibrahim, uh, sabatours.com, S-A-B-A-tours.com. Uh, you can find all the information out there. And uh, there are many of the sites that we uh, visited last year on this tour, and that's what we're going to be highlighting and getting into some of these uh, uh, different strange mysteries throughout Egypt. But I do want to talk a little bit about Mohammed here real quick, uh, because he's really the, the catalyst behind this. Uh, uh, amazing guy, for one. Uh, very, very knowledgeable so he's been running the tours out there for over 20 years. He studied under Zahi Hawass. Uh, people uh, pretty familiar with him. He was director of the Egyptian antiquities for decades. They still occasionally get together for dinner. Uh, Muhammad himself was also a uh, teacher for quite a while. Uh, but he know what's great about Muhammad is he knows everyone there because he's been doing this so long. He he knows everybody at these sites and get us to some of the more off limits places, uh, which is great. Uh, he runs an amazing tour operation. His team is phenomenal. So, and this is what I what I really want to emphasize uh, with him. Now, we got out there last uh, June, the first time I had ever traveled overseas like that. I mean, I'd been to Canada, been around the Caribbean a bit, uh, had never gone, you know, half a world away. So I was nervous getting off the plane in Cairo. Like, okay, what what's going to happen? Uh, when I get there. So I get off the plane and I'm immediately greeted by Usama. Usama uh, works for Muhammad. Got a little sign there with the with the tour company. Like, oh, okay, you're, you're Usama. And he walks you through the whole thing. Like, 
you know, through customs, getting a SIM card, getting the visa stamped, getting the luggage, the whole works. Walks you right, you know, right through the airport after doing all those things, gets you out there to a van, which has another another one of Muhammad's guys. And Usama stays at the airport because he's gonna, you know, grab somebody else coming off a plane. And so, you know, I'm in the uh, the van with another one of Muhammad's guys drives all the way from the Cairo airport to Giza to the hotel we're staying at, which is right across from the pyramids. Drops me off and there's a couple more members of Muhammad's team waiting right there at the door for me. And they're like, oh, let's help you get checked in. They grab the bags, take me to the front desk, get me all checked in, walks you through the whole thing. Absolutely perfect. Loved it. So it's like all those like nerves of, okay, first time that I'm going this far, you know, it quashed it right there. Uh, Mohammed really uh, takes care of you. This is actually, the photo here is in a uh, uh, gazebo outside the Red Pyramid, which we will uh, touch on here in uh, just a few minutes. So, all right, that's all the formalities. Let's actually get into some of these locations. So, of course, everybody uh, yeah, wants to know about the Great Pyramid. So uh, we did the Great Pyramid third day. Now on our itinerary here, uh, coming up, of course, it's a different tour. So we are starting with the pyramids first. Uh, we're doing the actual um, special two-hour just us uh, inside the uh, Great Pyramid at the end of the tour. So we have the pyramids at the beginning, and then we have the pyramid, uh, the Great Pyramid at the back end. So we'll be doing... Um, uh, like the second pyramid and some of the other things around there. We will go around the site, uh, which is absolutely uh, amazing. But let me give you, uh, do the first video clip here. Let me give you a little uh, insider taste of what to expect going inside the Great Pyramid and then a little bit outside of it as well. Okay, we are here at the Great Pyramid. About to go inside <laughs> in the subterranean chamber of the Great Pyramid. And we have to thank Mohammed for this. Thank you, Mohammed. <laughs> really appreciate this opportunity to be in the subterranean chamber. Very welcome. Very, very uh, rare opportunity. Not everybody can have this uh, opportunity. I'll probably have to drive them now because they're waiting for me to go up to the King's Chamber. But just looking at the Queen's Chamber here. I mean, back in there, and I'll put the photos up, because it's hard to see with the video, and I cannot bring a flashlight, me being a bad investigator. Looks like heat, yeah, you can see kind of like rivulets. It's almost like molten, but then it's all blackened, all the way up, especially back there, where you have all these little rivulets. We're in the King's Chamber, the Great Pyramid. This is in a broken granite box that is extremely interesting, not sarcophagus. And what is the purpose of this thing? What discovery did you make today? Well, the discovery that we made today, we have the three holes on the back side, evenly spaced apart. They're not on the front side. This is completely flat here on the back side while we have this lift. It goes all the way around here. I don't know why it was built like that, of course, but very interesting that this is flat like that and does not have a lift like the other side. It basically suggests that there was no lift that was placed straight down. As I said, we can prove many functions to the pyramid. 
So when we say power plant, that is not the only function. When we say uh, portal, that is also not the only function. When we say healing center, many of the functions of the permit, as if the, we are talking about 1,000 projects in one building. When we say pull of the sky, we have one of the netters had this title, pull of the sky, Ozir. Osiris is being called pull of the sky. And we know that Osiris is extraterrestrial being. Osiris is not from Earth. He's a giant okay. with an elongated skull. Yes. Okay. So that is, could be. This is a very strange block. It's a block of eight sides. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Why they design a block with eight sides, like a puzzle shape? And we surrounded by six blocks. And why we don't see two blocks are the same. We don't have any twin blocks here. Every block is different design from the other. Why they made this? They say this is interlocking design. Okay, good. Why? They say to resist the vibrations from earthquakes. Do we have earthquakes in Egypt? No. In the last 2000 years, we have only three earthquakes. But the word vibrations is perfect. But not from earthquakes. From what? Machine. From the machine. All right. So a little taste there of the Great Pyramid. Some of the things that we'll be doing around the area. Again, a little bit of a different tour because we will be doing um, some in the uh, second pyramid, uh, which we did not do last time. So again, a little bit of a uh, of a uh, different tour. So uh, good to see Lisa Baxter down there, Mary Haygood, uh, Keith Bailey's in the house. Good to see you, Keith. Uh, Brittany Barbieri, good, great to see you, Britt. Would still love to see you on this uh, tour, so come along. All right, so we're going to move on to the Sphinx here in a little bit. Another uh, thing that I did want to mention about Muhammad, because um, people ask about, okay, you know, is it is it safe in Cairo? Is it safe in Egypt? Um, never had an issue, never had a problem. We also keep, he also keeps his own security team with him, so it, it never becomes an issue. But going to all these uh you know, world heritage sites. Anyways, they also have their own security there too. So it's it's never it's never an issue. And you know, we were always uh, very safe at the hotels as well. So, but, but people ask that. Um, so, and Alina asks, have you ever tried using a spirit box or other form of communication while in the pyramid? So, um, I've talked a little bit about this in some of our past Egypt classes. Um, so we were not allowed to record using devices within the Great Pyramid. They've had, um, I guess, some issues in the past. So, um, and again, we were there on our own special two-hour tour. There was a, can't tell you who, but a uh, certain archaeologist who uh, basically gave us the key and, and let us in there. He was kind of poking around, letting us know what we could and could not do, even though it was our own special private tour, which got us into places like the subterranean chamber, which is not uh, open to the public, and, uh, and, and some other places there. Like the Queen's Chamber at the time was closed because they were setting up some equipment in there. Um, but we did run some of our own experiments that we were not allowed to uh, record in there. But that's where uh, the the idea that the pyramid is tuned to the key of F sharp and the the coffer that's in the King's Chambers tuned to the key of A. I brought a chromatic tuner with me, and sure enough, um, they, they were they were tuned to that. So that was uh, that was a great experiment that we were able to run. Just wasn't allowed to record it. 
Okay. So let's move on to the uh, the Great Sphinx. So now on the last tour, we we weren't really able to get into the Sphinx. So to get right up um, like between the, the Sphinx paws to check out the Dream Stella and, and all that, um, that's a... Uh, that's an extra perk. That's um, that's a little bit of a bigger tour or what have you. So since we were doing the Great Pyramid uh, that time around, uh, we weren't doing the Sphinx. So on this particular tour, we're supposed to be doing both. So on this tour here, Stargates of Ancient Egypt, we're supposed to be getting the uh, between the paws. But there's a lot also going on there within the uh, within the Valley Temple there around the uh, right in front of the Great Sphinx. A lot of uh, interesting construction there. So there were uh, some questions at the beginning uh, from from Jen about you know the precision of uh, of the construction of these of these buildings. And so here is a clip on just that. This is what we call it the Valley Temple, giant blocks from limestone. Which is a big question. Why this size? Why? Like a small block like this will be more than enough. Okay? I will tell you why inside. That is not the only question here or the only problem. That from inside, it is covered with big blocks of granite, granites and also from outside. But we don't see it because it was falling apart. But here we can see some of it still attached. This block one day was on the top of this building okay was upright like uh, what we call it like a, a cavetto design okay uh, for decoration so according to christopher dunn that the radius here and changing to the second radius this cannot be done by any manual tool even advanced tool advanced tool run by hand or hold by hand or by a, a, a manual uh, uh, technique that is impossible this must be done by a mechanical system and that system run by a program or a computer to move from the radius here to here and where it took like it is impossible to make a straight cut by hand but it is more impossible if i can say this in english to make a curve, perfect curve. And that curve is not perfect in one course only. No, it is perfect all the way down. So the same angle here is the same here. Every one millimeter is the same angle, perfectly. So uh, a man was, and even in modern days, was a power tool can do this? No way. It must be done by a machine. So if we talk about this one, to make this corner or edge here, they had to hack all the way to this level. Like why? This is too much work for one block, okay? So just to make this design, they had to cut or to hack all the layer here till this place. So that is like too much if this is just a funeral place or a place for uh visitors to come to worship the king at the clay okay but no this is a very important uh element because again they need the place to be connected they don't want to risk any disconnection 
Yeah, so this is where Mohammed and I really started to hit it off. So he's um, you know, talking about basically those machined edges of the the lintel that used to be there on the on the temple. So he uh he's done a lot of tours with Christopher Dunn. Christopher Dunn did the um he's a power plant book and he also did the uh the Egyptian technology book. Um he has another one coming out here pretty soon if it's not already out. Um Mohammed's in tours with a lot of guys like um uh, Nessie Harriman, uh, Billy Carson, of course, my buddy Johnny Enoch, who's on that particular tour, a um, bunch of different people. But um, with Christopher Dunn, he's a machinist by trade, which my dad also is. So that lintel, I mean, that's a routed edge. Um, I could go into my dad's you know, basement and put a block of wood on his router and create that. But the thing is, it's so perfectly done. Um, there's, there's no way they did that by hand. So, so a lot of the photos that I came back with and a lot of the footage that I came back with, I was showing my dad, you know, I'm like, okay, just take it out of your head for a minute that, you know, how many thousands of years old this is. Tell me how this was done. And there's a particular clip that we don't, we're not showing in on uh, this class, but I've shown in other classes, um, with in the, um, uh, it's a sarcophagus in the Cairo Museum where you could see that they were cutting off the uh, the lid to the sarcophagus, off the back of the sarcophagus. And you can see rounded saw blades were used, one on top, one in below. Now, according to mainstream archeology, span they didn't have uh, these type of saws back then, but you're seeing the cut. And this is granite. And they're trying to tell us, well, they used you know copper tools and things like that to, to to carve these different things. Uh, I'm showing this to my dad. I'm like, dad, you, you see the saw cuts. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I see the saw cuts. I'm like, what type of saw would it take to cut that thing off the back? He's like, this is granite. It's like, that'd be like a diamond tip saw. Yeah, which they weren't supposed to have back then, but there it is. So again, it this is where Mohammed and I hit it off when we started talking about that sort of stuff. So um, yeah. Victoria is wondering if I uh, use the dowsing rods on the trip. So the interesting thing about using the dowsing rods out there in Egypt, because everything, or, or not everything, but so much is granite. Um, there, you remember what happened at uh, Moore High Cross with uh, the granite cross uh, that was standing up uh, there? That was like, what, day one? <laughs> um, Basically, that same sort of thing was happening. So the dowsing rods were just like going nuts in Egypt. Um, and, and yeah, the it it's I'll say this about uh, Sarah. It seems like laser precision. The way you know it's not laser is um, nothing's vitrified on those particular cuts. So it's some sort of machine work uh, rather than actual laser. Where in the Queen's chamber, in the Great Pyramid, where you saw that vitrification on the back of the wall, um, you know, and they're, and they're trying to say in that little alcove, there was a you know an idol or a statue or something like that. They're guessing at it, and it's like the the rock is melted, <laughs> it's vitrified. Uh, so there was something extremely extremely hot back there. Whether that was laser technology or something else, extremely hot, we don't know. But um, all right. So moving on, because we have a lot to cover here in a very short period of time. Um, okay, Dasher. So we've covered Dasher, the area of Dasher a bit when we've talked specifically about Stargates. And so this is the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. So let me show you, um, this is the Bent Pyramid and the Red Pyramid, uh, that area. 
So let me give you the, the little video clip here, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what's in that area when it comes to uh, Stargates. Here we go. Off to the Bent Pyramid. This is going to be absolutely freaking amazing. How do you feel out here in these sacred lands? Um, you know, I, <laughs> I can't even describe it. This is amazing. It is amazing. These enormous ancient structures that this entire area, Saqqara, is built all on the principles of resonance, sound, microwave technology. The word holy was originally sacred, uh, was originally energetic. So it was energetic site and then became sacred or holy. So the word energy became the word holy. And the, the healer became a priest. It was a way to control the society. It's uh, 55 degrees. And this is 56. It's, it's one degree they different. <laughs> okay, just one degree. But the base of the second pyramid at Giza Plateau is bigger. And the height of Giza Plateau pyramid is higher. So if this was about to collapse as they claim, Giza Plateau Pyramid is supposed to collapse first because just one, uh, one degree uh, difference in the angle, okay, not 10, not 9, not 5, just one degree different. But uh, the base is smaller here and the height is shorter here. So if this was a mistake, so the second pyramid at Giza Plateau is the biggest, the biggest mistake in Egypt. Okay, so that's the uh, that's the bent pyramid. Uh, the red pyramid is uh, also there, actually right in front of it. Um, I actually did not go inside the red pyramid while we were there. Um, I was a little winded from the bent pyramid. That was day one, and uh, was was not expecting how physical it was to get down into the uh, into the bent pyramid. So, Mohammed and I had a conversation in the gazebo, actually back at this picture, uh, right outside the red pyramid. And talking about the uh, shadow entities in ancient Egypt and, and uh, you know how they interpreted that within their culture, uh, which would be part of Shadow Dimension Season 2. So be on the lookout for that uh, there. So I mentioned Stargates here at uh, Dasher. So going back to this scene here with Muhammad when he was talking about uh, the angle of, of the Bent Pyramid, uh, in the background there, you can, uh, you can see a fence. And you can kind of see it in this photo too. This is another little structure back behind the bent pyramid. So what that fence is, what's beyond that fence is an Egyptian military installation, which is referred to as Egypt's Area 51. Of course, we can't get on there. Uh, what is back within there is another site. Actually, it's um, the remnants of the the base in these uh, subterranean chambers of uh, a pyramid, or at least they believe. So you can see some interesting structures within here. These are uh, historic photos. Again, you can't get on there now. And the rumors that come out of this particular location is that there is a working stargate there within Egypt's Area 51 associated with this this ancient site I have additional photos. If you check out our stargates of ancient, uh, or not that one, uh, but our, one of our other Egyptian classes that we've done, and it might have specifically been the straight up stargates. We were talking about stargates all over the world. I'd have to go back and check and verify. But in any case, um, we covered a lot more photos from this location. They describe it as an aurora borealis, 
coming out of the ground. And that's how they're accessing Stargate is actually, you know, kind of jumping into this very colorful portal that's in the ground. So, of course, would love to get some uh, some sort of confirmation to the story and how that actually works with this particular site. We don't have time to get into all of that this evening, but um, it, it's amazing if it is truly there, but that is right there at the Dasher site. So within the vicinity of Dasher is Saqqara. And so that is the step pyramid. So we have the bent pyramid, we have the step pyramid, and uh, Saqqara is uh, certainly interesting in itself. I have a, uh, a few clips from here, but here's the first one from Saqqara. By the way, this tunnel is not one of the uh, designs. This is not uh, the original design. This is a tunnel made by the Tomb Raiders. But those Tomb Raiders are not from modern times, ancient Tomb Raiders. Uh, they, we expect that this tunnel was made around 500 BC. The tunnel they made led them straight to the shaft under. Oh, yeah. We have in these shrines uh, some small windows inside uh, the design. Uh, if you go and just put your head and listen, you will hear something. But don't do any sound or anything. Just listen to the rumbling uh, sound, maybe comes from the underground uh, water table. Okay, so like Mohammed said, the idea is to listen in there. I have a chromatic tuner, so if we actually get um, some sort of... Well, I mean, it's picking my voice, so we'll see what happens. Hello? Test, 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 test. Hello? So it's weird. It's like canceling my voice. It's barely registering. It's getting a little bit there. No need, uh, according to engineering logic, there is no need for this huge room, solid room. Okay? The only need is uh, to reflect the resonance. So you are hearing this because of two, at, at least two connections. So that's why if you are using a device, it will not capture the signal because the signal here is as if it became all uh, uh, through the, the wall through the, the room itself through that design so your ear can catch this but the device no yeah it was really really interesting there in that little alcove i mean it was like natural noise cancellation or natural noise dampening um i threw the chromatic tuner in there and just see what would happen and it was barely picking up anything and um what it i was reminded of that a bit at drawbegstone circle in ireland the way that the uh circle captured the sound and basically uh put it back on you or you kind of stood in the middle of the circle and you're hearing the strange kind of echo uh within that alcove and there were several of them there uh, you were getting that same sort of resonance back at you uh but stronger really so it almost seems like the concepts that they 
used uh, there in Egypt for these little alcoves was kind of the same concept that they used at, at Drombeg within the circle because it had that same kind of strange uh, echoey type of sound that you could actually pick up with your ear. So it's really, really interesting. Okay, so around that area of uh, the Step Pyramid, we visited a number of different tombs that were around there as well. And uh, this one here is kind of fun. Let's see what you guys make of, of this particular hieroglyph. I'm in Kajemli tomb, and we are here in the inner part of the tomb. And we are looking to uh, writings supposed to be like offerings to the, the soul. But there is a text, line of text here, and it says we have this symbol, which can be easily explained as a basket or something, but I don't recognize it. This is, it is not listed in the hieroglyphic dictionary. Could it be a UFO? <laughs> it, is hard, it, is, it is hard to say this, but it's still also strange symbol, okay? I know it looks like the, the, the famous pictures of UFOs, but uh, to have this picture here, it is not also usual. So uh, we need some time, uh, we need a time to study this and to figure out the meaning of the first, the symbols before and the symbols after, so we can get the meaning of this one. Here. All right. So, yeah, Johnny uh, going to, is it a UFO? And it <laughs> had to kind of take a, uh, a moment there. But he already knew that that's where it was going to go. Um, I did take uh, photos of that entire line. Now, what's, uh, what's interesting is to the uh, left of that, there are a couple of star uh, hieroglyphs. Um, and I've, I've taken some classes on hieroglyphs, so I, I can kind of look at a few things like... Um, like the the owl there in front of it okay that's an that's an m but uh because of the way its head is pointing you're actually reading that line from right to left and so i have not sat down to try to interpret the whole line of text but um you know it would be interesting to see if from the context of what everything else says to see if we can decipher what that little symbol is because yeah looking through the uh the different books like Gardner's book, and I have uh, one that I got in Egypt on hieroglyphs. Um, it's not listed. So, yeah, and that's kind of the interesting thing about the uh, uh, the hieroglyphic language is that as they discover more tombs and open other things up, it's like, well, there's one we haven't seen before. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, Brittany Barbieri, Britt asks, in my studies on the pyramids, do you believe in theory, in the theory that they used certain tombs slash sounds to move the stones? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. I, I believe that there is a uh, a sound technology that we we don't know how to use today. I think that knowledge has been lost to time, uh, how they were able to use uh, you know, resonance, vibration, frequency to be able to, uh, whether it was move large blocks of stone, uh, to enter altered states of consciousness for healing purposes. Uh, that, that knowledge has been lost to time, but we look at our ancient structures and we see pieces of it there, uh, some memories of, okay, this, you know, this has a resonance to it. There are sound built into this. Like when it comes to the Great Pyramids, being tuned to those different uh, keys, F-sharp for the Great Pyramid. Well, that's also the key of, the, of planet Earth. Why the copper is tuned to the key of A, I'm not sure. 
But as far as moving the large blocks, well, you see like Coral Castle, uh, Edward Lee Scanlon, where, uh, you know, it's believed that he used sound technology uh, to be able to move those. And he claimed that he had discovered the, uh, you know, the secrets of the ancients to be able to move those blocks. So, yep, um, I do believe that. So, okay, that's the fun one from Saqqara. Um, down the hill from the Step Pyramid is the Serapium. You want know, to talk about moving large things uh, into tight spaces and head scratching. How in the world did they do it? Um, it's a Serapium. 30 tons. This piece, the estimate weight of it, 30 tons, one solid piece of rose granite. Question for you, and I hope you answer the question. Rose granite from which part in Egypt? Aswan. Aswan, very good. <laughs> I, I used to be a teacher, by the way. So <laughs> big fan of questions. Where is Aswan? Almost 700 miles south of Cairo. 700. So if they think that they can push this or drag this all the way, even by boats or by anything, this is impossible. Also, to go through, look, this, of course, door is modern, but look, this is the, uh, the, the edge of that, of the door jamb, and that is the other door jamb. So the space is, yes, officially wider than the, uh, the size of the lift, but still not wide mm -hmm. enough for hundreds of workers pulling and pushing this, okay, and they have to maneuver to turn right, to turn left. There is no enough space for this number of people. And if we don't have this number of people, it means they cannot carry this, like 30 tons. If I bring 30 men, so each one will carry a ton. Can you carry a ton, Jason? Can any <laughs> human carry one ton? No. Okay, so let's double it. 60 people, each one will carry half a ton. Still no. So this is a line stone. Before we continue, the place was closed uh, in 1995 uh, for restoration reasons. And you can see this is what happened and all the iron bars. And it was reopened at 2012. They made a kind of a celebration for the academics. And because I am local uh, person here and the area, I call it my neighborhood, so I invited myself mm -hmm. and I came. And uh, while they were busy with the conference, I came to visit the site. And I found, guess what, I found the, uh, the, the chief engineer of the project. He was retired. He uh, was like uh, old enough. I think he was like almost 80 uh, years old. Uh, so I met him exactly at this spot. I shaked his hand, introduced myself, and I told him, if you can tell me like anything, because we bring uh, tourists here and we need to explain to them what is the story. He told me, son, he put his hand above my shoulder, said, we don't know anything about this place. So I, I told him, I know you are a humble person. He said, honestly, we know nothing. Here it is. One solid piece of rose granite weighing almost 70 tons. Yeah, it's unreal how they could have possibly gotten those things down there. Um, and like Mohammed saying, all the and the amount of people that you would have to employ to try to get them down there, they're not going to fit. <laughs> That's why it was like, you know, 
30 people, 60 people. That that conversation went on for a little bit. He kept doing different multiples. Uh, and yeah, they're just, you're not going to employ the people down there to be able to drag it. It's like same in, in South America, some of those, um, you know, uh, structures and blocks that they got high up on the mountains. Like, okay, you know, here's a little road that goes up that way. And sure, you know, maybe they could have dragged it along the road because the, the block is, you know, wide enough or the road is wide enough for the block. But what about the amount of people that it would take to get it up there? The people aren't going to fit on the road. That's the thing. There's not the room for the actual people. So how did they move the blocks? And you're seeing stuff like this in the Serapium. I mean, I'm, I'm standing under this thing. You know, that's a lid to this coffer, for lack of a better term for it. Um, you know, what exactly is it? You know, there, there weren't any bodies found in here. Some people have uh, speculated one regeneration chamber, almost kind of like something out of the movie Stargate. Uh, another is uh, you know, batteries to uh, to help uh, to help with the energy of the pyramid up the hill, which is the step pyramid. So those are a couple of different ideas for you know alternative uses for what these uh, may have actually been, but it's just unreal the the sheer size and weight of these things so serapium is it's just mind-boggling uh to, to be within there okay so let's move on to uh, a couple of the temples and we're not going to be able to to hit everything that's on this trip in fact there are a couple of things on this uh locations on the stargates of ancient egypt tour that i've not yet been so i don't even have any uh clips but let's go to dindara um this was one of my, I really enjoyed the, the different temples. This is certainly a favorite. Is there anyone in Egypt you do not know? <laughs> the pedestal is from what? That's one. So prepare for the scanning. So the whole floor was granite. Space. Space what? We call it space what? Spaceship. Oh. Why would them call it space rocket? Because the ancient Egyptian represented ships sailing on the sky. All of these ships are sailing on the sky or, or on the space. And above each ship, different number of stars. So every ship is going to certain galaxy. Come closer, look. If you look up there, you can see a separation between the two blocks. Can you see that cut in between? Yes. On the right side, on the upper one, you can see a snake, and next to it, a man with, a, uh, with no legs. We understand that everything in ancient Egypt was two. Double. Uh, either uh, north or south, or masculine and feminine, okay? And we have so many words and letters and identities, masculine and uh, feminine. But we do have a name called Ra, someone called Ra, a letter called Ra. Is there a feminine Ra? No. Or we learn it, no. But when I came here, I found this. If I, if I hide the body, it will be perfectly wrong. But this is the female body. So this is Ra'it. The female aspect of Ra. So Ra, so the sun have uh, a male aspect, 
and female aspect, or male energy and female energy. And she's holding what? She's holding the own symbol. This is the symbol of Heliopolis. This place is called Onet. So On is the, the, the masculine city in Cairo, the city of knowledge, city of power. And this was the city for all the teach, for all the students who came from different places like Rome, Greece, Persia, and anywhere in Middle East to study in Egypt. Here we are entering the dark crypt. This is a newly opened crypt here at Dendara that we are the first group in here. It's freaking awesome. This is like Tomb Raider. You feel like you're in Indiana Jones? Yeah, Indiana Jones, there you go. Okay, a lot going on at that temple. Um, so what's interesting about working with Muhammad is he notices a fine details like, okay, rock. There's not supposed to be a female version of Ra, but yet there on the wall in Dandara, he found a female representation of Ra, Ra'it. So the T at the end is, um, you know, that's the feminine representation. You'll find that uh, when you look at some of the hieroglyphs, it has, if it has that uh, loaf T at the end, then you know it's feminine because it's T. Um also, just a note, you hear Muhammad using the word netter a lot. That's basically the Egyptian word for God. Uh, also, what's interesting is like Horus. Horus is also not supposed to have a feminine representation, yet in another one of the temples, I think it was Edfu, um, he found a female representation of Horus. So uh, it's interesting, the little details uh, that, that he notices. I really enjoy working with him. Uh, so... The ceiling of Dendara, beautiful, very, very blue. Uh, let me give you a, a little closer shot of the uh, genie on the ceiling uh, right there in the middle. So uh, they do believe in the jinn over there. Uh, talking with uh, Muhammad's son, Adham, uh, he had a lot of questions for me about the uh, about my work with, with shadow entities because uh, that's something that he's kind of been researching and exploring uh, on the uh, on the gen side of all of that. So you see that representation here with uh, it looks just like a genie or something out of Aladdin, which is kind of interesting. Uh, also in the in that clip, I'm not going to get into it here. The quote unquote Dendara light bulb. Uh, we've talked about that in in other classes. It's basically a representation of energy. You have the symbolism of the uh, the lotus flower and the uh, Jed Pillar. Again, we've talked about that in other classes, and we don't have uh, all the time for that at this moment. But, um, okay, another uh, fascinating temple there, Abydos, uh, which has so much going on. Good morning, ready to start another day. I'm actually alone here on top of the Nile River Cruise that has been our hotel for the uh, past few days. We're actually parked uh, in Luxor, so uh, the, the town of Luxor. So Luxor and Karnak um, are actually, the, the temples are actually right over there. So we are in Abju city. Abju is what was called by the Greeks, Abydos. Uh, and the word al means the, the buried one, the hidden one. 
and it's not necessarily mean the buried, but they maybe talk about the energies here in this place. So yesterday, we have seen the world star gate in Tarnak Temple. Now we will see the world star gate in Abydos Temple. Sab, and Sab means a star and the simple gate. And in the same way, star gate, star gate, so if this was a just a title, why we don't see it everywhere next to the name of the king? Why in certain places? Because this is the Stargate, not the other location. That's to look, the, he is surrounded, but we explain this from when we say was, scepter is power. Uh, they think power because he is the king. No, it could be power because this is a conductive material. material or tool, sorry, to the in, uh, energy of Earth. That's why we see all the Egyptian, uh, but not here, natives holding this vast scepter, but it doesn't touch the ground. You know what will happen if it touches the ground? It will be connected and the phenomenon will be very strong. Okay, I'm going to cut it short there because we actually have less than 10 minutes left in the class. And I want to throw up a couple of these other clips real quick. But with Abydos, there's a lot going on there. So um, obviously the interesting hieroglyphs where, you know, the one looks like a tank, the other looks like a helicopter. You got one that looks like uh, an airplane. So all of those controversial hieroglyphs are there. Uh, you see three different rooms there that are labeled as stargates you have the most extensive king's list in any of the temples that are there and in part of that clip. And um, you can you can get a lot of this on the Connected Universe portal site uh, within the uh, the Egypt uh, class that I have out there, the Egypt course. Or as a, as a member, you get it on the back end. Um, even with that most extensive list, you have certain kings that were eliminated from there that are missing so it's not an all-inclusive list and there are still kings that have been lost to time that um so it really calls into question some of the dating that that we've done with ancient egypt and then back behind uh the abydos temple is the osiria now uh, muhammad referred to the hidden one well, this is, I had been essentially a hidden temple for a, a long, long time. It is older than the Abydos temple. This is a location we weren't able to get into last time. We're supposed to be going there this time for Stargates of Ancient Egypt. And what's interesting is uh, behind one of the pillars, you see the carvings of the Flower of Life, which is supposed to be a little bit more of a modern symbol than... Uh, you know, far back in, in ancient Egypt times. Uh, and this would be, you know, pre-dynastic uh, here with the Osirion. So what in the world is the flower of life doing there down in the Osirion? So Abydos has a ton going on with it. Plus, they have a couple of chambers there where you can take some really cool photos because they have um, the uh, sun kind of streaming in just at the right angle where you can get a photo and it, it, it makes it look like you're actually catching the sun in your hands. It's really, really cool. So, all right, we're going to move on to Hatshepsut's Mortuary Temple, which um, I talk about a lot when we talk about Stargates because of this whole uh, setup with, with the temple. All right, good point. I didn't have a chance to do my little intro earlier today, but we are heading to the temple of the 
The second thing I want you to pay attention at, look to the greenish color. Can you see it? That is because those carvings were inlaid with copper. Some of it copper, some of it was uh, lapis lazuli, some was gold. So it was a kind of, uh, uh, not just carving, but inlaid carvings. So it will be very shiny, very beautiful when it was original. This is the title we are looking for. Here the star and the word gate. But here it doesn't say just the star gate, it says great star gate. There is a, a vertical symbol. Can you see the, the symbol gate? Next to it, something like a bin. Okay? That means great. Great star gate. All right, and I was a little bit limited on the amount of video that I was taking that day. Um, I'm suffering from dehydration. I mean, we were there in the dead of summer in, in Egypt, actually right before they kind of shut down a lot of the locations for the summer. But we wanted to be there for the uh, the summer solstice that year in the, in the Great Pyramid. So it was extremely hot, and I was dehydrated like crazy that particular day. So um, I didn't get all the video footage that I wanted to to actually show the interior of the Stargate. I have some photos, but kind of what uh, Johnny was referring there uh, to there uh, on the interior. So this is the Holy of Holies. In uh, back within that room there off to the uh, right-hand side is uh, this symbol of the stars within the, the cartouche, another symbol for Stargate. And there's actually like three or four different ones um, that, that we point out are, are different um, different iconography for Stargate. And, and if you get into some of our other Egypt classes, I break down Hatshepsut's temple, the way the, uh, the energy is represented there, the uh, little remnants of the pyramid off to the side, which could have been the power plant for the Stargate uh, back there within Hatshepsut's temple. It's a really, really fascinating setup. And so when we're there in Egypt in February, that's something that we are uh, definitely going to to concentrate on. So I had some other clips. We're not going to be able to get into uh, it all this evening, which I which I do apologize for. Like the one from Elephantine Island is like over five minutes long. That'll definitely take us past our time. Um, but I have out there on the YouTube channel the uh, a rather extensive video on Elephantine Island, which is which is fascinating because uh, you do have a um, a Stargate there at the top of the hill, but you also have uh, the depiction of Mayans, which is interesting. You got the whole Mayan headdress and everything going on there, but it's also a uh, presumed location of where the Ark of the Covenant had once rested. If you subscribe to the idea that the Ark of the Covenant uh, you know, 
made its way out of Israel and down to uh, Ethiopia, Elephantine Island is a location that it was supposed to have stayed for about 400 years. Uh, and they have the old uh, underground temple there where it is supposed to have been. And there actually are some people that believe the Ark of the Covenant is still hidden there. So a lot of different theories uh, for that. And then, of course, the, uh, the Stargate at the top of the hill. So um, Valley of the Kings will also be going to, um, you know, those tombs there, Valley of the Kings. Uh, uh, King Tut's tomb should be open this time. It's the uh, 100th anniversary of the opening of it this November. So that's going to be a big deal. We'll be able to go see that uh, this February. We had a lot of other ones uh, last time out. And you guys know I am very, very interested, very, very interested in the Ouroboros which um, you can see back, other hand, you can see back behind the wall there, um, the, the more famous depiction of it. But it's a symbol that dates back to ancient Egypt. We actually see it on um, King Tut's uh, shrine there. That's like the first time we actually get a, uh, a glimpse of it. But it's also in some of the other... Uh, tombs there, just not as a perfect circle, but you still see the idea of the snake eating its own tail. Um, this is more of an oval fashion. It looks like a cartouche, that they did this type of symbolism in a cartouche. And that's the idea of uh, recycling and rebirth. And so, of course, they would put something like that within a tomb because they believe in that, that uh, you know, recycle, rebirth, soul going off to the uh, constellation of Orion, to Sirius, and that sort of thing. So, all right, we're kind of at the end here. A couple other things I wanted to know. Of course, we have a four-day Nile cruise mixed in with us. I, at the very beginning of Abydos, I did show myself there uh, on the boat. And uh, it's it's fascinating going up and down the Nile uh, you know, on those ships. And uh, it's beautiful, beautiful at night especially. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a real treat to be able to do that. So uh, Tel Basta and Tanis, I've not been to those locations. Those are on our itinerary. Uh, the unfinished obelisk at Aswan Quarry. Um, I did grab a little uh, rose quartz there from Aswan. I will be hitting some of the different Egyptian museums and uh, those sorts of locations as well. So see all Luxor and Karnak. Uh, we'll be uh, visiting as well. Also, Temples of Sobek in Horus at Kamambo, which, um, see, that's that's Sobek there. So he's the, the crocodile. Um, all right. So that is about it. We're at the end of our time here. Let me go ahead and put up the, uh, the banner one last time. Stargates of Ancient Egypt, February 7th to the 19th. 2023. Go to sabatours.com, S-A-B-A-Tours.com. Uh, you navigate there to Stargates of Ancient Egypt Tour. So Mohammed Ibrahim and I uh, will be uh, hosting you there in February. And I really do hope to see many of you there. Of course, we'll be doing more of the travel blogs like that uh, to be able to share with those that are not able to make it. But you know, we really hope you, you do uh, experience it with us because it is unlike anything else. I mean, it's one thing to watch some documentaries, study, um, you know, even, you know, some people when they post, I don't know, like a 360 video, I mean, those are cool because, okay, you get the whole, um, you know, can spin around, take a look. It is so much different actually being within there where you actually 
it's just, it's majestic. You know, you don't realize how huge some of those buildings are until you actually walk into them. You're looking up like, how? <laughs> just, that's kind of like the biggest question, how? And, you know, we're still trying to answer that to this day. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Those that um, are you know, not subscribers to Connect the Universe Portal, this is a class that we do every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, join us, ConnectingUniversePortal.com, 30-day free trial out there. All right, everybody, till next time, if time really exists.